welcome back to another episode of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Earth, a podcast dedicated to exploring the latest advancements in sustainability and how we can work together to create a more resilient future. I am your host Namrata and you're joining us on a very special episode, this is our first ever video episode and the last of our series Beyond the Haze on air pollution. Today we are joined by a very special guest, uh, Professor Dr. Rajakumar Bala, a professor at the Department of Chemistry at IIT Madras. He heads a research group known as the RK Group, which is where we are currently. And we are very excited to take you on a tour of all the work that they do within atmospheric chemistry. As you know, this month we are exploring all things air pollution here at Hitchhiker's Guide to the Earth. And as a final segment to our series, we will be taking a look at the work that the RK Group here at IIT Madras is working towards within atmospheric chemistry, as uh, their research primarily focuses on the fate of a compound after it is released into the atmosphere, what are the chemical and physical changes that it undergoes and how can it be detected, all that and more later, so stay tuned. Hello everyone, welcome to my research group at IIT Madras. As she has already introduced me to you, I am Rajakumar Balla and this lab is called Laboratory of atmospheric and combustion chemistry and in this particular laboratory which is located in the Indian Institute of Technology Madras Department of Chemistry we practice the science to understand the chemical and physical processes that happen in the Earth's atmosphere. When a compound is released into the atmosphere each compound can absorb a radiation to some extent. It is a unique feature of the compound. So, the compound which absorbs more light can easily get dissociated into the radicals. That is when the radical chemistry gets initiated under the photolight, I mean sunlight. Right? Similarly, the compound which is not absorbing so much of light, it does still absorb light, but what happens is it will survive for longer time if no other chemistry is influencing the molecule or reacting with the molecule. That means photochemistry wise, the compound can survive for a long time. If the chemistry gets initiated, let, let us say there are some radicals like oxidative radicals in the atmosphere, hydroxyl radicals, chlorine atoms, ozone, NO3, NO2, NOx and SOx, all these compounds, if they come in interact, interaction with these compounds, what we are releasing, what would happen is they, they react with them and the identity of the molecule is lost. Once they, once they are involved in a reaction, they form products. Once the products are formed, the identity of the compound is lost. So, there are two ways the compound is uh, going to lose the identity in the atmosphere. One, photophysics or photochemistry. The other one is chemistry initiated by the oxidative species in the atmosphere. Therefore, these two wings we have to understand. In the photophysics kind of thing, we have to understand what are the absorption cross-sections of the molecules, how much they can absorb. If they absorb, do they photodissociate? If they photodissociate, what are their quantum yields? And what are the compounds that they are going to, what are the radicals that they are, that, that they are going to be uh, generated in the photo dissociation process? That is one way of studying. The other one is, if, as I said, when they come in contact with the oxidative species, what would happen is they react and they lose the identity. And when they lose the identity, how long it took for them to lose the identity? Right? This is defined by the chemistry part, like you know, kinetics. You need to measure the rate at which these reactions are happening. In the laboratory, what we measure is 
we focus mostly on understanding the kinetics and the products that they are formed in the reaction process. We have established the laboratory facilities here, something called cavitating down spectrometer and laser-induced uh, laser fluorescence-based spectrometers and uh, a competitive reaction uh, methodology we have developed. We have built this way, you know, instruments here, unlike commercial instruments. We buy lasers and other stuff, that's of course uh, non-compromisable thing, we cannot build the lasers and all, but using the lasers and what we are doing here, I will explain in my uh, future discussion. Here, here is the equipment that what we have built, this is called cavity ring down spectrometer. What does it mean? It's like a, suppose you bell, the sound declinement is something like a bell sound that is declined with time. That's why it is called a ringing down uh, kind of uh, spectrometer. What we do here is there are two highly reflective mirrors here, one on this side and one on this side. Reflectivity is like 99.999 percentage or 49 percentage. These mirrors are fixed at a at a 180 degrees or uh, you know inclinement to each other, and when the laser pulse is allowed from this side, what would happen is 99.999% light gets reflected out, and 0.0001% of the light comes in. And here is another mirror which is of equally highly reflective mirror that is 99.999. So what it does is it reflects 99.999% of the incident light here and transmits only 0.0001%. What does it mean? You get the light here, the percentage is like 0.0001% of 0.0001% of the total intensity of the light. Right? So, when, when that happens, rest of the light is trapped here. So, the light travels to and fro between these two mirrors. This forms a cavity called Fabry-Perot cavity in physics. And by the time the photon loses its intensity by leaking out at the exit mirror, it would have traveled a path length of close to several hundreds of kilometers, depending upon the sensitivity, depending upon the reflectivity of the mirrors. If that is the case, once the path length is so much enhanced, the sensitivity of the equipment goes super sensitive. Super sensitive. What does it mean? You can probe the radicals in parts per billion and parts per trillion also depending upon their absorption cross-sections. Suppose the absorption cross-sections of the radicals are very, very high, you can even go to parts per trillion. And if the radicals, uh, radical absorbs to moderate extent, then you can go to parts per billion. Suppose their absorption is much weaker, you can go in the parts per million. In any case, you can, you can identify and measure the radicals of concentrations parts per million to parts per trillion. So, once the radicals are formed here, what and all we can do? See, once the radicals are formed, we can measure the absorption cross-sections by allowing them to get absorbed at a radiation of our choice or at its maximum absorption. We have uh, here YAG pump dilaser and another YAG laser. What we do is we reduce, we produce the radicals at a, at a, for example, we are doing Kaigi intermediates. You know, most of the people know these Kaigi intermediates are formed when olefin compounds react with ozone. They form the ozonide and then form the zwitterion. Kriegi intermediates are equally important in the atmosphere as, as, as important as hydroxyl radicals or chlorine atoms. So what, what we are doing is we are synthesizing the, you know, generating the Kriegi radicals uh, by photolyzing the uh, ozone at the 355 nanometers using 
the third harmonic of the Andiyah laser and produce the radicals here and we can do two things. One, we can measure the radical-radical reactions, that is self-reaction. The other one is we can uh, measure the reaction of Craigie intermediate with any compound of interest. The compounds that we are presenting, we are, we are uh, working on uh, our biomolecules or biofuel molecules, sorry, biofuel molecules. So the molecules which are emitted into the atmosphere and via various industries, for example, pharmaceutical industry produces all kinds of EOCs, volatile organic compounds, volatile oxygenated organic uh, uh, compounds and, uh, and also the uh, chlorinated compounds. See, pharma industry would not know what would happen to these compounds when you release in the atmosphere, unfortunately. Uh, although they want to not to reduce, produce or release such compounds into the atmosphere, by their practice, they want to produce the medicines and give to us. In the process, they might be releasing these compounds into the atmosphere. So, we can study the reactions of all these molecules with Kriegi intermediates. So, if you want to do that, you generate the Kriegi uh, intermediates in the uh, in-situ and put those molecules also. And then now you can study the kinetics. How do we do it? We, we produce radical here. We can ask the uh, probe laser to probe the radical at zero time, 100 microseconds time, 200 microseconds time, 300 microseconds time, 400 microseconds time, and you go further and further up to 1 millisecond. Why I am doing this? What is kinetics? Kinetics is after all the variation of concentration of a species with respect to time. So we are measuring all this. And we get, the, we get all the information, self-reactions of radicals and radicals. We can measure the absorption cross-sections here. We can measure the quantum yields here. And we can also measure the um, uh, reactions of the Kriegi intermediates. Per se, I'm saying, I'm talking about Kriegi intermediates. In fact, we can, we can study the reactions of peroxide radicals and we can study the reactions of any radical of interest in the atmosphere with the stable molecules, with the radicals themselves. So there is a multiple use of this one and this is a unique facility in India which is doing gas phase kinetics using the cavity ring down spectrometer. See in the cavity ring down spectrometer I explained you the kinetics, measurements of the kinetics uh, of, the uh, of the radicals which absorb the light, right. There are radicals which absorb the light, they fluoresce also. When you are fluorescing, when the radical is fluorescing, we can use that property to measure the kinetics. That's one more way of doing it. What we do is, we excite the radicals in this to upper electronic states using uh, a, a suitable wavelength. The radical, I'm talking about the hydroxyl radical, when you, we, what we do is we excite the uh, hydroxyl radical by pumping it at uh, uh, 282 nanometers. It will go to the upper electronic state and then from there, it emits the radiation at 308 nanometers. 308 nanometers is less energy than the absorption light. So some light is ob obviously lost in the form of the uh, heat, but when, when it emits from at 308, it is fluorescence. Okay? What we do is, we capture the fluorescence, the intensity of the light, the intensity of the fluorescence is directly proportional to the concentration of the hydroxyl radicals. So how do we do the experiment? We generate the radicals, here is the LAF cell, and you can see this has six arms containing two two mirrors on each arm. One is this side and another one is this side and two on uh, one is on top and one is on the bottom. How do we do? We let the radiation of 248 nanometers go inside and we can uh, we can actually see the hydroxyl uh, you know hydrogen peroxide getting bubbled. So it get get into the uh, system and we fire the uh, this uh, laser at 248 nanometers. It produces two hydroxyl radicals. Once these hydroxyl radicals are formed, 
we use the other perpendicular two uh, you know windows to let this 280 sorry 281.9 nanometer radiation to go through this and that radiation will excite the hydroxyl radical to the upper electronic state once it is uh, excited to the upper electronic state it will not stay because it's a high energy state so naturally it has to decline you know uh, come down while coming down it will emit uh, uh, radiation as i said in 308 nanometers so that we capture using a photomultiplier tube with a band pass filter at 308 nanometers what does it do it will not allow 248 nanometers that we have used to the, for the photolysis purpose of hydrogen peroxide to produce the hydroxyl radicals and also it will not detect 281.9 nanometers which we have used to excite the hydroxyl radicals but it will only allow 308 nanometer radiation to pass through uh, through the to the photomultiplier tube this photomultiplier tube captures the 308 nanometer radiation and uh, then we we uh, take it to the digitization of the data and what we do is we count the number of uh, you know the, the intensity we measure the intensity of the fluorescence and then measure the measure with respect to time as i told you there we produce the radical here and we measure the intensity of the hydroxyl radical right at zero after 100 microseconds 200 microseconds 300 microseconds over a time and we see the intensity of the hydroxyl radical it will be lost over the time because of the self reaction and the diffusion and also the reactivity with the compound of my interest so we take all these three into account and we measure the rate constant or kinetics of the reactions of the hydroxyl radicals with the compounds of interest one thing i want to tell you in the both the experimental setups we carry out the reactions in the atmospheric conditions essentially we mimic the conditions of the atmosphere in the laboratory both in terms of temperature pressure pressure is something you can control with the pressure gauge and and uh, temperature we have to circulate the fluid this is a double jacketed cells you can see that we have tied with the um you know tapes and all just to avoid the you know heat uh, uh, dissipation and there also here so we maintain the temperature within the cell and we measure the temperature using a, a you know thermocouple inside and do the kinetics uh, so there also we we do the uh, reactions of biofuel molecules vocs earlier we used to do all cfc compounds and cfc alternatives and all but now we are uh, diversified into various other compounds as well just i mean just want to tell you although this i have explained you in a simple term uh, to build this i took very very long time almost uh, if you if you can shoot the complete lab to build this lab it took almost 10 years time with a lot of students by the way we write the software for this to acquisition of the data and transfer the data into the computer through digitization cards and then data uh, analysis and all completely it is written by us it is not that commercially available now i'll tell you another technique which is a very simple actually when you don't have all these lasers and there is nothing when i started my career see i have to come up with the peer group pressure and all that as a tenure track professor assistant professor at that time what i did is we have done the kinetics of the compounds of interest with both hydroxyl radicals and cl atoms cl atoms are in, important in the atmosphere because we we release lot of compounds containing cl and they 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 are available plenty in the marine boundary layers particularly sea shores so what we did is suppose you want to study the reaction of a with oh or a with cl you produce oh and cl in situ like the way you are producing there simple by using flash lamps something like that and then put the compound into that not only a but also you put b b also compete with oh or cl but a is unknown 
you know b b and uh, oh or b and cl kinetics very well they are established okay then what you do is put your a compound also of inter, uh, you know what you want to explore so the loss of a with respect to b towards oh you quantify using a gas chromatograph uh, you know gcms gcir which i will show you later then you can you can find out the amount of compound that is left during the course of the reaction and as i told you kinetics is after all the variation of concentration of a species with respect to time as much as oh is available to a that much oh is available for b also so similarly cl also so these two compete for one of the radicals and once we know the kinetics of one uh, species the other species we can back calculate that is the easy way of doing it but there is a catch here here the reliability of the kinetic data that i present for a with oh depends on how reliably the b and oh is was measured and reported because that is not we are measuring here this is not an absolute method this is called relative method there what we are doing as absolute methods here it is a relative method but the advantage of course uh, when there is a disadvantage is always we find the advantage also the advantage here is we can withdraw the sample from here after post reaction and analyze the sample in the gas chromatograph gas chromatograph mass spectrometry and gas chromatograph infrared spectroscopy and if you do that you will see the products also you can carry out the reaction in presence of oxygen and mimic the atmospheric conditions in this in this cell you can actually vary the concentration vary the pressure vary the temperature mimicking the atmospheric conditions and you measure the compound products that are formed and once you measure the products that are formed using gcms and gcir and gc you can actually come up with a reaction mechanism that would happen in the atmosphere because we are mimicking the conditions in the cell not in the presence of nox in the presence of you know uh, oxygen nitrogen helium everything we can put in we can we can load this cell with respect to all the compounds you can actually mimic the complete uh, composition of that atmosphere and do the reaction that way it is i wouldn't say it is uh, you know close to it is really that is what is happening i would say it is little closer to what is happening we cannot really mimic the atmospheric conditions in the laboratory that's very difficult now uh, let me summarize we do the we do the uh, uh, kinetics of radicals with the stable molecules radicals with radicals based on absorption emission and relative measurements that's it Thank you so much for joining us today sir yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much for having me uh, at your lab and giving me a tour as well uh, i'm sure our audience will have a lot to uh, take sure. away from it yeah. uh, so just taking on from that you mentioned the petrochemical industry uh, what other industries including this do you think uh, would really benefit from adopting this kind of a technology that you developed over here if any industry wants to reduce the pollution yeah. okay that they are creating carbon dioxide release these are the studies one has to encourage in fact industry should encourage these kind of studies for example i am doing these studies no industry can you know uh, no industry wants to do these kind of studies in their industry just to know this yeah what that, that they can do is like you know csr yeah. you know corporate social responsibility they can fund this kind of research yeah, and get the input from us uh, yeah Yeah, because that is their not that's not their uh, you know primary goal. I I don't blame the industry. Yeah, no. Obviously, because they are doing their job. Pharmaceutical industry, for example, they want to produce the drugs and give to those like for example pandemic and all. If they worry about the emissions, then they cannot do that. So they they are they are doing their duty. But they should not forget their social responsibility also. What they should do, they should find out these are the exertions from the you know industry. 
and they should bring the samples of the exertions and send to us and we'll analyze and see what are the things that they are mostly releasing in the atmosphere, what are the toxic things, what are the non-toxic things, what are environmentally dangerous things, what are greenhouse gases, all these things information they need to know before releasing any gases. That at least they should do as a social responsibility. Those parameters, those inputs we can comfortably give from our lab. We have the GCMS, we have a IR integrated restaurant, all kinds of, you know, I told you, they explained the facilities. All those things we can use and, uh, you know, uh, help the industry to, not only pharmaceutical, coal industry, petrochemical industry, and uh, textile industry. Textile, for example, they release a lot of dyes in the you name an industry, battery industry, for example, energy conversion, all these are very, very essential. We have to be, uh, they have to be careful in releasing the stuff. So we are here to help the industry to tell them what not to release and what to release and if they are releasing, if their exertions have that kind of stuff. Okay. And uh, in your, these last 10 years that you've had this stuff, what kind of, have any industries themselves approached you to do this kind of testing and which kind of ones have those been? Uh, well, uh, on a broader sense, I would say no. But smaller, uh, some some industries came with some cancer sensor. Can you please analyze and give? We will give you um, whatever charges are. I think this kind of things they are doing, but they are not per se they are supporting the research. Okay. Probably I did not explore. That is also a possibility. I was more into the academic research. Huh. But now I am thinking of why not? My experience is now it is a laboratories and I have autopilot more. So I I, I can use this expertise to help the industry. Yeah. That that way they can fund the research. They can partially take care of the laboratory kind yeah. of uh, expenditure and uh, for their research at least. That will help us also to yeah, carry out the uh, research activities. And uh, to the society also it helps. It comes under uh, corporate research, uh, research, uh, social responsibility. Yeah. Uh, so, sir, what uh, challenges do you think you're facing now within bridging this gap from picking it from the lab to the industry in a way that it can actually benefit? It's a very good question, uh, Namrata. Uh, I would tell you. Uh, challenges are not uh, essentially uh, in any field you take challenges will be there but in particularly taking the academic uh, research into the translational mode to the industry it needs a bridge hmm. uh, probably I, I should initiate and I should interact with the industry as well as the industry should interact with us and then then the bridge can be you know made. Uh, I am at the uh, I think at the entrance uh, of the bridge okay. and somebody should from the other side should uh, you know give a supporting hand probably we can take it definitely there were challenges uh, you know even in building the labels i told you as a decade i was really touching all the funding agencies in the government of india government of india is very very kind and it has given a lot of money for building this facilities. okay it's a unique laboratory in the in this country uh, okay yeah uh, so right now there's no private funding at the moment right now there is no private funding at the moment
help creator yeah and for for the for for a for an industry to support uh, this kind of miniature and other could not be a big problem for them because for the scale that at which they do the uh, you know business whatever it is uh, a little of 2% of their profit is the csr probably that would definitely help us and but i should be in proper network that is not i did not really practice on
this information is very much essential actually whole whole exercise started with that uh, you know intention only whatever we do it is not just to publish 100 papers and uh, get some medals here no it is this information should be uh, useful one day my brother is a chapter of from ready asked me what is that you are spending this much money what is that you are going to do actually that that kind of a uh, tight slap on my face what is that then i explained him this is what it is and then he understood but he also said make it to make sure that it, this goes to policy makers yeah. essentially it will go eventually yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me as well, uh, and to our audience. Uh, hope you really enjoyed this episode, our first video episode. Like I said, uh, please subscribe to our podcast by. Uh, I mean, if you're watching on Spotify or on Apple Music or whatever, please subscribe so that you don't miss out on our future episodes. Also, check out our website www.kaboxi.com, Instagram as well as Twitter handles. I'll be linking all of uh, professors' uh, details and like you know. website and all of that as well so you guys can check it out uh, so yeah that's that's it that's it for this week's episode thank you so much for tuning in thank you so sure, much sir. Sir. Bye. Bye.